Hello and welcome to Integral, a Foster and Foster podcast. My name is Travis Smith, and today's episode is going to focus on one of our clients, Lineco, and their executive director, Kevin Chesniak, and how they serve their members every day. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for joining us today. We're here in our Naperville office recording one of the first episodes of Integral, a Foster and Foster podcast. Appreciate your time today. Uh, Thanks for having me today, Travis. I appreciate it. So LineCo is also known as the Line Construction Benefit Fund. Uh, We are a multi-employer Taft-Hartley benefit fund uh, that provides health and welfare benefits to approximately 57,000 IBEW, that's International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Uh, union members as well as the National Electrical Contractors Association uh, contractors that support our electrical infrastructure grid throughout the country. Uh, Our job is to provide them with their medical, dental, prescription drug, as well as any other health and welfare benefits. So the members that make up our fund are typically line workers, so line men, line women, uh, line clearance tree trimmers, and anyone who does outside construction on our electrical infrastructure grid. So every time you drive past a uh, a power line, think of our members who are maintaining that. Uh, Our members also respond to storm restoration, disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires, you name it. Anything that affects the electrical infrastructure grid, our members are going to respond to make sure that it's it's rapidly restored. Uh, They're considered essential workers, uh, and they respond 24 hours a day. Uh, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So a uh, pretty important piece of our electrical industry. So really, at the end of the day, they're the ones that keep the lights on for us. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, and, and a little bit, um, so I've, I've had the pleasure of working with Kevin now for um, going on more than 10 years uh, and working with uh, Lineco as a firm for multiple years beyond that. Kevin, spend a little bit of time talking about kind of what you think makes Lineco great. So, yeah, I, I think really what makes it so great are the people. Let's, let's just be honest. Whether it's the IBEW, the union workers, whether it's the National Electrical Contractor Association, the actual companies that employ these members, um, that's really what makes it great. These folks are out there every day working very hard outdoors in a very uh, difficult job trying to make things better in this country. Uh, so definitely the people. I know it's a little bit of a cliche to say people make it great. But then also when we talk a little bit about our, our fund office who support these members, uh, it comes down to our staff and our people. And we try to surround ourselves with good people who care a lot. Uh, we try not to be the big bad insurance company. And uh, we feel like we, we accomplish that mission every day. You know, one other thing I, I probably want to just point out besides the people is our longevity. Uh, Lineco was established in 1963 by a small group of people in the Midwest who thought that these members deserved quality health and welfare benefits. And since that time, we've, we strive to provide these families with, with a great benefit so they don't have to worry about their medical prescription drug and, and other uh, costs. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. Uh, actually, one of the interesting things, so as, as a firm, we work with many different Taft-Hartley funds, as you can imagine. And I remember the first time I walked into a Lineco Board of Trustees meeting, 
Um, it took me a while, probably multiple meetings, to kind of figure out who was labor and who was management. Uh, I think when you mentioned the point about it's the people, uh, it starts with those trustees, right, that are making the decisions and, and doing a lot of the work there. And really, um, you know, when they step into that room, they take their hat off as whether they're head of a contracting association, uh, a contractor company, or a local union that's part of the IBW and really put on the hat of the member. And uh, that's something that I think makes it really special from from a standpoint of providing benefits. And at the end of the day, they're there to benefit the members and do what's best that uh, can be afforded by the fund. So 100% agree with, with your comments there. Um, just, just a follow-up question. You mentioned the folks that you work with, and I know you have a team of, you know, pushing over 70 people now in your fund office. Um, you know, any, any people that, that sort of make your day go better or really uh, go above and beyond to, to serve the members of LineCo? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm just the face of LineCo at the moment, but I stand on the shoulders of my, actually we're up to about 80 staffers at the office. Um, I wouldn't be able to run my day-to-day -day mission without the support of my director of operations, Mary Garit, as well as my IT director, uh, Jeff Marshall. Behind the scenes, those two are pulling everything off uh, to make sure that we can do our what I call our blocking and tackling, which is answering the phone calls of our members and paying their claims in a timely, timely basis. So um, I'm very fortunate to have a strong management team, but without those two, I would be uh, stuck in the mud, so to speak. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Um, can you let's take a little bit of a right turn here, and can you tell us a little bit about your path to Lineco? How did you get to Lineco? Sure, absolutely. So I actually came out of the University of Illinois, and I know that's a little bit of a dig at you being an <laughs> Iowa Hawkeye, but um, I did come out of the University of Illinois with a degree in community health with a specialization in health planning and administration. Uh, coming out, I thought I would be a hospital administrator until I realized there's only about 6,000 hospitals in the nation, and those hard jobs are very hard to come by. Uh, so I ended up uh, at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois in their National Accounts Marketing Division. I was lucky enough to work with companies like United Airlines, UPS on their benefits uh, for all of their national employees. I then transitioned over to the labor industry uh, at Blue Cross Blue Shield and was very fortunate to be with a great team there. Uh, I come from a Southside Chicago family. We have a lot of union members in my background, and it's a great group of people to deal with. Uh, it was at that time that I got to know Lineco a little bit more uh, from an account management perspective. And then in 2010, I was fortunate enough uh, to be selected as Lineco's executive director after a national search. So that, that was sort of my path to Lineco. Yeah, that's that's great, Kevin. I remember actually meeting you prior to your time at Lineco, you know, as as working with Lineco uh, as a consulting firm in the health marketplace. We deal, you know, daily with the folks at Blue Cross and the rest of the uh, insurance companies out there. So I remember working very closely with Kevin and um, when the previous owner of the company before Foster and Foster had purchased, Jack Deem, um, had had sort of come up with you as as a possible candidate uh, for the job at Lineco uh, to replace the previous director, I think we were all extremely thrilled that 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 was something you were interested in. It's something that you kind of shined and and uh, was easily the the chosen one to to serve next in that role. So. Um, even though you did go to the University of Illinois, uh, we put that aside and uh, and and uh, had that uh, 
be a big part of, of you joining the team at Lineco. With that being said, can you share a little bit about, I know Foster and Foster and previously Bloomquist before that has, has worked with Lineco, you know, since its inception, almost since the early sixties. Can you talk about kind of our relationship today and, and what it is that, that we help you and your team with? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, remember Lineco, our main goal is to provide a really good suite of health and welfare benefits for our members. I need some assistance to do that, and that's why we partner with actuary firms and benefit consultants like Foster & Foster. Uh, we've had a great relationship since, obviously, the early ages of Lineco, but most recently with Foster & Foster since about 2010. And, you know, one of the things that we did to partner with you all is we looked to you for expertise. Uh, right now in the healthcare industry, it's rapidly changing. And, and one really good example of your expertise was we found a problem with our members going to hospitals and emergency rooms when they really didn't need to, especially when they were away from home. In an effort to tackle that problem, Foster & Foster thought of the idea of well, what about telemedicine? What about telehealth? And really, when it before it was even popular back in 2015, you brought Teladoc to uh, LineCo and we met with their CEO. And we were able to find a win-win situation for the Lineco member and the Lineco financial bottom line. And it's really those types of collaborations that we did with, with Foster & Foster's assistance and finding sort of the right partner to solve for a problem that, that are really valuable uh, to Lineco. And we really appreciate that partnership. Yeah, thank you. We do as well. Uh, I know the team and Kurt Baxley and myself are kind of the key consultants that work, but similar to you, there's a lot of folks that uh, we stand on the shoulders of to to kind of uh, make that relationship work and, and appreciate the, the partnership there um, to do that. With regard to moving forward, we've kind of talked about the, the past, and as we, as we look forward, what do you see as kind of the biggest challenges that you and Lineco face over the next uh, 10 years? Yeah, I, I do believe that medical price inflation is still, I, I hate to say this, I've been talking about it for what seems like 10 years, but um, into the future, medical price inflation is still what we're worried about and is a challenge. It, it's not an easy fix. I think we all would agree that uh, medical costs are going to continue to rise. That's, that's no secret. It's really at what pace. And so that is probably our biggest challenge. I would also say secondary challenges to that is member engagement. We know that that's something very difficult for us to do with our members. They are spread out throughout the country. Uh, they travel every day. They don't go to an office uh, like you and I may go to an office. So they, their office is a work truck. And then also, you know, a little bit on the in member engagement side is digital health. The healthcare industry is changing rapidly, and there's billions of dollars being funneled into it in these digital health startups. It's very difficult to find out who the winners are and who the right fits are for your organization. Um, obviously, we're going to lean on you all for some of that help. Um, but those sort of three challenges, the medical inflation, member engagement, and digital health sort of selection of who can help us in the future, those are our challenges, I think, for the next five to ten years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and we've talked about that and talked to the trustees about kind of some of those challenges and totally agree with, with your listing of those. Um, you know, what, what kind of plan of attack, um, you know, is, is the fund – you know, working with us together to kind of uh, make happen as far as controlling some of those future increases. Right. So the identification of the challenges is usually the easy part. It's actually what do we do to, to try to t keep control of them. And I think first and foremost, one of the things we try to do at LineCo is be very aggressive in our market checks of our different strategic partners. 
we want to hold their feet to the fire to make sure that they truly are managing their contracts, whether it be a PBM or a PPO contract, and that they have some safeguards in place on the price inflation in the medical industry. So that's sort of first and foremost. Um, we're actively doing that today. And then I think you know we need to align ourselves with vendors that are truly trying to disrupt the industry. Um, you know, we could talk a little bit about the, I believe it was Haven, the Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan Chase, Amazon Venture recently that really just disbanded over the last two or three years. Um, I'm not really at privy at why it disbanded, but the idea there was they were going to disrupt the, the marketplace. Um, so we're seeing more disruptions. I think it's going to take baby steps. I think if you do a lot of baby steps together, then eventually you can keep some of these cost pressures in place. But there's not one silver bullet, as you and I have talked about many, many times. So it's going to be a number of just angles and, and trying to be on cutting edge and, and try some new things and, and see how they work. Yeah, I would agree. And, and it goes back to, I think, something you said initially, which was, you know, data and identifying the problem is is the easy part. And, you know, that's something where, you know, as working together with you and your team, we really rely on data to identify those problems. And if you go back to the example you gave earlier, the telemedicine, that came about because the problem that we saw was such an increased use of emergency rooms, right? These guys may live in California, but they may be working in Florida to put up power lines after a hurricane goes through. And there's no PCP that they have in Florida. And so they're just using the emergency room to sort of satisfy that need for healthcare. And so what we did was we found that was a problem. The solution to that was a telemedicine solution so that you know for common conditions, they could basically use that instead of going to the emergency room, which is so much more expensive as, as you are aware. But totally agree that really identifying them and you know, piloting solutions, uh, making sure that they have the effect that we want, and then expanding them as those that are successful to do that is very key uh, to do that. With regard to the solutions, um, who ultimately makes the decision as far as whether to implement something or not? Sure. So our board of trustees, as I mentioned before, is, is an 18-member board. We have nine appointed by the IBEW and nine appointed by NECA. Um, like you mentioned, they do take their their NECA and their IBW hats off when they walk into a LineCo uh, Board of Trustee meeting. Uh, they are volunteers. They're not paid. They're appointed. And they know that they need to watch both the financial well-being of the fund, but also take care of the members and their families. Ultimately, yourself, myself, uh, we come up with some general ideas, but we also get ideas from them as, as to things they would like to see us potentially implement. We usually do some very significant studies. Uh, sometimes it takes us six months, sometimes it takes us 12 months. But ultimately, we do a robust study of what might be a good fit for LineCo, and we bring it back to the Board of Trustees to try to get their opinion and whether or not we want to vote up or down on, on a change to the plan. Um, you know, I always tell our members, the Board of Trustees, remember, they are CEOs of construction companies and business managers of IBEW unions. They know how to build power lines. They may not know a lot about healthcare, but they certainly work hard to be, be informed. And um, you know, it doesn't hurt to try to get their opinion on things. I've seen one letter written to the Board of Trustees from a member turn into a very large RFP and eventually a benefit change to help uh, children out in the plan. So you know, they are very 
um, good listeners of the membership and they know their place that they want to keep Lionco around for the generations to come in the future. Yeah, I, I think there you hit the nail on the head. They're kind of our, our avenue to the members, you know, and kind of get feedback, whether that's the, the member going in and talking to their business manager and those ideas filter up through to the rest of the board and then eventually to us, um, or whether that's the, the head of a company that's hearing from their employees as to what's important and what's what more likely is, you know, what's a challenge when it comes to the fund that, that we're not addressing. So it's very rewarding to work with that group of folks. And while it does change, and we've gone through a lot of change in the last five years with that group, um, it's it's nice to get um, sort of new members that are part of the team, so to speak, because they bring new ideas as well. You mentioned that prior to joining Lineco, you were the account executive for Lineco at Blue Cross. Um, what have you learned sort of since leaving Blue Cross about you know, vendor partners and serving the members of Lionco that you previously may have not known at Blue Cross? Yeah, and on this side of the fence as a customer, it is definitely different, right? Um, I get to look at things from a different angle. And the one unique thing about Lionco is we are the ultimate payer of claims. So we are a payer, and we pay about 1.5 million medical claims per year. Uh, you know, we'll pay out between 500 and $700 million in claims. So we are not a small payer when it comes to paying medical claims. I think one of the one of the things I've noticed the most is at Lineco we're able to effectuate change very quickly. With large corporate partners, it's very difficult sometimes to effectuate change. So Lineco at Lineco I'm able to be very nimble and, and sort of switch gears quickly if we need to. I think that's something that is a little bit more difficult for our large strategic partners, and, and you feel it a little bit from time to time. So I think just the ability to be more nimble. Um, from a Lionco perspective as a customer it is pretty cool. Um, and it's, you know, it can be a shortcoming for some of our strategic partners because they are so large. Um, you know, the, the old uh, idea of trying to turn around a, a uh, aircraft carrier in a bathtub. Um, some of our organizations we have to deal with, they're just very large, good, bad, or indifferent. They're large. And to make changes sometimes takes them some time. That's probably what I've learned the most. Yeah, and I would say um, with Lionco, you guys are unique, right? There's there's not a lot of funds as big as you are that are self-administered. And so I think a lot of times the vendors have um, a challenge fitting you into one of their spots, right? Fitting you into uh, whether that's labor or whether that's national account. Some of those struggles, I think, is is some of the things that, that you and I have talked about that, that becomes a challenge. Um, when it comes to some of these potential plan design changes is is there a lens or you know sort of an area that you kind of look at changes through when when making decisions as to what to bring to trustees absolutely uh, one of the first questions I ask when we're thinking about a change is what does it mean to the member and their family and then what does it mean to the fund financially and obviously that first one carries a lot of weight right we want this this plan of benefits to be valued by our members uh, but we also know we have to keep the financial cost under control. But the first question is, if it's a positive to the members, that's you know one big vote that this may be something worthwhile. And then you know ultimately, what does it mean to the bottom line? Is it a positive savings potentially, or is there a way we can we can figure out how to make this a longer term investment for the fund uh, financially? If both those things are satisfied. I, I would say there's a very strong possibility that the Board of Trustees would be supportive of, of those types of either partnerships or changes to the plan of benefits. Great. Thanks, Kevin. That's very, very helpful. 
Um, as you look back on your tenure, which is approaching, what, 10 years now at LineCo, uh, what's, what's sort of your most proud accomplishment or, or, or kind of what, what makes you most happy about that 10-year period? Absolutely. I think that number one is financial stability. And when I talk about financial stability of the fund, that's a, it's a difficult conversation for a lot of people because we know healthcare costs go up year over year. And we know that we have to raise our contribution rates potentially year after year. But when I can compare what Lionco contribution rate increases are compared to the rest of the employer-sponsored healthcare arena, and I know we're well below what, what those folks are seeing, it shows me that we are doing something right. And we're able to do that and keep our benefits the same. And, and that is truly a testament of our financial stability. Um, one of the things that we do at Lionco, which is very unique, is when the trustees do decide to make a contribution rate change, and when I say contribution rate change, think premium change uh, for the insurance, they actually give 12 months advance notice to the NECA contractors and our membership. And by doing that, I mean, how many other insurance companies do you know of that are going to tell someone 12 months in advance, hey, we're going to need another 1.5% or whatever we decide to do? Uh, so at the end of the day, that, that just goes back to we are an extremely financially stable organization, and we've been able to stay stable even in a time of increasing health care costs throughout the country. So we're very proud of that. Yeah, something you, you can definitely be proud of there. As far as, you know, your free time, let's talk a little bit about that outside of LineCo. You know, what, what, what do you read? What do you listen to? What do you um, pay attention to with regard to uh, health care benefits? Absolutely. So obviously, we, we participate with the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. But I also subscribe to Health Affairs, sort of a scientific journal type organization. They do a lot more studies, and, and most of their studies actually make sense. Uh, they're supported and they're statistically valid. Uh, I also obviously read at my daily Wall Street Journal just to keep an idea what's going on in the industry. And then one other thing that I do that maybe not a lot of people do is um, whether it be the power construction side of the fence or the healthcare side, I tend to, believe it or not, log on to investor calls. Um, so if you sign up with an organization, you can follow your competitors and you, you can hear some things from CEOs of other large organizations, whether it be Blue Cross, Aetna, United Healthcare, Cigna, Teladoc. You start hearing what their CEOs are saying, um, a message starts to resonate on, on what's going on. So those are just some of the things I do. Um, car ride home, I'm usually blaring the radio just trying to de-stress for the day. But, but for health side, uh, I like health affairs. It, it's pretty unbiased. Awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, now, outside of work, um, kind of what are your passions? Or specifically, you mentioned blaring music. What what music do you listen to? Oh, boy. Putting me on, on the fence there. Um, all right. So I would probably go top one, two, and this is a weird mix, but it'd either be Grateful Dead or U2. So I don't know how those two end up in the same, same passion. But um, I'm passionate about my family. I've got three teenage kids. Um, my wife, uh, I'm very blessed. She is the CEO of our, our family home and, and does a phenomenal job. And I'm pretty much, most of my free time is cheering them in whatever extracurriculars they're up to. Um, I've got one actually following in my footsteps at the University of Illinois, so uh, that's pretty exciting. The other two are still in high school. Um, try to chase the little white golf ball around every once in a while for fun. That always doesn't work very well, but it is enjoyable to be outside. And then obviously like to travel. Um, this year, obviously, no one's really been traveling. So hopefully we'll be back at it sooner than later. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, yeah, I've enjoyed many days on the golf course with you. It's always fun to, to get out there no matter how good the golf is. The, the time's always good just to get out and relax. Uh, my last question for you before we let you go is if you could whisper in the ear of young Kevin Chesniak as he walked across the stage at the University of Illinois when he's graduating and provide words of wisdom, what would that be? So I think my words of wisdom to a graduate would be be prepared to work hard. Nothing comes e easy. And then I think the second one, um, and I think the second one's probably more important, is it's not whether or not you get knocked down. It's whether or not you get back up that really defines you as a person. Because there will be challenges in life, and it's really how you react to those challenges that will define you. Very good. I think that's great words of wisdom. Um, I just want to thank Kevin for taking the time today, coming to our office and sitting down to record this podcast. It was really enjoyable uh, spending a few minutes uh, getting to know you more so our listeners can understand you. Uh, so thanks again for the time. And until next time, take care. I want to thank everyone for listening today. If you liked what you hear and you want to hear more, please subscribe to us wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Or if you'd like more information on Foster & Foster and how we work with our clients, please go to our website, www.foster-foster.com. Thanks for being an integral part of our day.